0: Welcome to the Nonlinear Library, where we use text-to-speech software to convert the best writing from the rationalist and EA communities into audio. This is, Intro to Brain Like AGI Safety, 6. Big Picture of Motivation, Decision-Making, and RL, published by Steve Burns on March 2, 2022 on the AI Alignment Forum. 6.1 Post Summary, Table of Contents. Part of the Intro to Brain Like AGI Safety Post Series. Thus far in the series, post number one set out some definitions and motivations. What is brain like AGI safety and why should we care? And posts number two and number three split the brain into a learning subsystem, telencephalon and cerebellum, that learns from scratch using learning algorithms, and a steering subsystem, hypothalamus and brainstem, that is mostly genetically hardwired and executes innate species specific instincts and reactions. Then in post number four, I talked about the short-term predictor, a circuit which learns, via supervised learning, to predict a signal in advance of its arrival, but only by perhaps a fraction of a second. Post number 5 then argued that if we form a closed loop involving both a set of short-term predictors in the learning subsystem and a corresponding set of hardwired circuits in the steering subsystem, we can get a long-term predictor. I noted that the long-term predictor circuit is closely related to temporal difference, TD, learning. Now in this post, we fill in the last ingredients, roughly the actor and model parts of model-based actor-critic reinforcement learning, RL, to get a whole big picture of motivation and decision making in the human brain. I'm saying human brain to be specific, but it would be a similar story in any other mammal, and to a lesser extent in any vertebrate. The reason I care about motivation and decision making is that if we eventually build brain-like AGI's, CF post number one, we'll want to build them so that they have some motivations, for example being helpful, and not others, for example escaping human control and self-reproducing around the internet. Much more on that topic in later posts. Teaser for upcoming posts, the next post, number 7, will walk through a concrete example of the model in this post, where we can watch an innate drive lead to the formation of an explicit goal, and to the adoption and execution of a plan to accomplish that goal. Then starting in post number 8 will switch gears, and from then on you can expect substantially less discussion of neuroscience and more discussion of AGI safety with the exception of one more primarily neuroscience post towards the end. Unless otherwise mentioned, everything in this post is things that I believe right now, as opposed to neuroscience consensus. Pro tip, there is never a neuroscience consensus. Relatedly, I will make minimal effort to connect my hypotheses to others in the literature, but I'm happy to chat about that in the comments section or by email. Table of Contents In section 6.2, I'll present a big picture of motivation and decision-making in the human brain, and walk through how it works. The rest of the post will go through different parts of that picture in more detail. If you're in a hurry, I suggest reading to the end of section 6.2 and then quitting. In section 6.3, I'll talk about the so-called thought generator, comprising the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex, sensory cortex, and other areas. For ML readers familiar with actor-critic model-based RL, the thought generator is more or less a combination of the actor and the model. I'll talk about the inputs and outputs of this module and briefly sketch how its algorithm relates to neuroanatomy. In section 6.4, I'll talk about how values and rewards work in this picture, including the reward prediction error, RPE, signal that drives learning and decision-making in the thought generator. In section 6.5, I'll go into a bit more detail about how and why thinking and decision-making needs to involve not only simultaneous comparisons, i.e., a mechanism for generating different options in parallel and selecting the most promising one, but also sequential comparisons, i.e., thinking of something, then thinking of something else, and comparing those two thoughts. For example, you might think, hmm, I think I'll go to the gym. Actually, what if I went to the cafe instead? In section 6.6, I'll comment on the common misconception that the learning subsystem is the home of ego-syntonic, internalized deep desires, whereas the steering subsystem is the home of ego-dystonic, externalized primal urges. I will advocate more generally against thinking of the two subsystems as two agents in competition. A better mental model is that the two subsystems are two interconnected gears in a single machine. 6.2 Big Picture Yes, this is literally a big picture, unless you're reading on your cell phone. You saw a chunk of it in the previous post, section 5.4, but now there are a few more pieces. There's a lot here, but don't worry, I'll walk through it bit by bit. 6.2.1 Relation to Two Subsystems Here's how this diagram fits in with my two subsystems perspective, first discussed in post number 3. 6.2.2 quick run through. Before getting bogged down in details later in the post, I'll just talk through the diagram. 1. Thought generator generates a thought. The thought generator settles on a thought, out of the high dimensional space of every thought you can possibly think at that moment. Note that this space of possibilities, while vast, is constrained by current sensory input, past sensory input, And everything else in your learned world model. For example, if you're sitting at a desk in Boston, it's generally not possible for you to think that you're scuba diving off the coast of Madagascar. But you can make a plan, or whistle a tune, or recall a memory, or reflect on the meaning of life, etc. 2. Thought assessors distill the thought into a scorecard. The thought assessors are a set of perhaps hundreds or thousands of short term predictor circuits. Post number 4, which I discussed more specifically in the previous post, number 5 each predictor is trained to predict a different signal from the steering subsystem. From the perspective of a thought assessor, everything in the thought generator, not just outputs but also latent variables, is context, information that they can use to make better predictions. Thus, if I'm thinking the thought I'm going to eat candy right now, a thought assessor can predict high probability of tasting something sweet very soon, based purely on the thought, it doesn't need to rely on either external behavior or sensory inputs, although those can be relevant context too. 3. The scorecard solves the interface problem between a learned-from-scratch world model and genetically hardwired circuitry. Remember, the current thought and situation is an insanely complicated object in a high dimensional learned-from-scratch space of all possible thoughts you can think. Yet we need the relatively simple, genetically hardwired circuitry of the steering subsystem to analyze the current thought, including issuing a judgment of whether the thought is high value or low value, see section 6.4 below, and whether the thought calls for cortisol release or goosebumps or pupil dilation etc. The scorecard solves that interfacing problem. It distills any possible thought, belief, plan, etc. into a genetically standardized form that can be plugged directly into genetically hard-coded circuitry. 4. The steering subsystem runs some genetically hardwired algorithm. Its inputs are, 1. The scorecard from the previous step and, 2. Various other information sources, pain, metabolic status, etc., all coming from its own brainstem sensory processing system. See post number 3, section 3.2.1. Its outputs include emitting hormones, motor commands, etc., as well as sending the ground truth supervisory signals shown in the diagram. 5. The thought generator keeps or discards thoughts based on whether the steering subsystem likes them. More specifically, there's a reward prediction error, RPE, signal comparing the current thought to baseline expectations under the circumstances, and when RPE0, the current thought gets strengthened, sticks around and can start controlling behavior and summoning follow-up thoughts, whereas when RPE0, the current thought gets immediately discarded, and the thought generator summons a new thought instead. 6. Both the thought generator and the thought assessor learned from scratch over the course of a lifetime, thanks in part to these supervisory signals from the steering subsystem. Specifically, the thought assessors learn to make better and better predictions of their ground truth in hindsight signal, a form of supervised learning, see post number 4, while the Thought Generator learns to disproportionately generate high-value thoughts based on the RPE signals. The Thought Generator learning from scratch process also involves predictive learning of sensory inputs. Post number 4, Section 4.7. 6.3 The Thought Generator. 6.3.1 Overview. Go back to the big-picture diagram at the top. At the top left, we find the Thought Generator. In terms of actor-critic model-based RL, the Thought Generator is roughly a combination of actor plus model – but not critic. Critic was discussed in the previous post and more on it below. At our somewhat oversimplified level of analysis, we can think of the thoughts generated by the thought generator as a combination of constraints from predictive learning of sensory inputs and choices guided by reinforcement learning. In more detail, constraints on the thought generator come from sensory input information and ultimately from a lifetime of predictive learning of sensory inputs. Post number 4, section 4.7. For example, right now I cannot think the thought, there is a cat on my desk and I'm looking at it right now. There is no such cat, regrettably, and I can't just will myself to see something that obviously isn't there. I can imagine seeing it, but that's not the same thought. But within those constraints, there's more than one possible thought my brain can think at any given time. It can call up a memory, it can ponder the meaning of life, it can zone out, it can issue a command to stand up, etc. I claim that these choices are decided by a reinforcement learning, RL, system This RL system is one of the main topics of this post 6.3.2 thought generator inputs The thought generator has a number of inputs including sensory inputs and hyperparameter settings but the main input of interest for this post is reward prediction error RPE I'll talk about RPE in more detail below but we can think of it as an estimate of whether a thought is good or bad This signal is important both for learning to think better thoughts in the future and for thinking good thoughts right now Thought generator outputs. There are meanwhile a lot of signals going out of the thought generator. Some are what we intuitively think of as outputs, for example, voluntary motor actions like moving skeletal muscles. Other outgoing signals are, well, a bit funny. Recall the idea of context from section 4.3 of post number 4. The thought assessors are short term predictors, and a short term predictor can in principle grab any signal in the brain and leverage it to improve its ability to predict its target signal. So if the thought generator has a world model, then somewhere in the world model is a configuration of latent variable activations that encode the concept baby kittens shivering in the cold rain. We wouldn't normally think of those as output signals I just said in the last sentence that they're latent variables. But as it happens, the will lead to crying thought assessor has grabbed a copy of those latent variables to use as context signals, and gradually learned through experience that these particular signals are strong predictors of me crying. And thus, these baby kittens and the cold rain neurons in my thought generator are now living a double life. They are latent variables in my world model, i.e., they and their web of connections will help me parse an image of baby kittens in the rain, if I see one, and to reason about what would happen to baby kittens under those circumstances, etc. Activating these neurons, for example via imagination, is a way for me to call up tears on command. 6.3.4 Thought generator neuroanatomy sketch. In the last post, Section 5.4.1, I talked about corticobasal ganglia thalamocortical loops in the context of the thought assessors doing supervised learning. The thought generator is a different part of the cortex from what I was talking about in the previous post, but it still has those corticobasal ganglia thalamocortical loops, and I'm inclined to describe their function in a vaguely similar way. I mentioned dopamine in the purple box, as a reminder, this is in addition to the various dopamine signals discussed in the last post. There are many more implementation details inside the thought generator that I'm not discussing, including more details on the loop diagrams above, as well as the relationships among different regions of the cortex. However, this section is more or less sufficient for my forthcoming posts on AGI safety. The gory details of the thought generator, like the gory details of everything else in the learning subsystem, are very helpful for building AGI, but barely helpful at all for AGI safety, as far as I can tell. 6.4 Values and Rewards Recall from the previous post, section 5.3.1, that in actor-critic reinforcement learning, the critic is a value function that estimates some proxy to the organism's, relative, inclusive genetic fitness. Here I'll talk more about how I think the value function and related calculations work in the brain. 6.4.1 The cortex proposes a value estimate, but the steering subsystem may choose to override. There are three values in the diagram, it looks like four, but the two red ones are the same the green circled signal is the next subsection. Ignore it for now. Here I'll talk about blue and red. The blue circled signal is the value estimate from the corresponding thought assessor in the cortex. The red circled signal, again, it's one signal drawn twice, is the corresponding ground truth for what the value estimate should have been. Recall that ground truth value is a synonym for reward. Yes I know that sounds wrong, see previous post, section 5.3.1, for discussion. Just like the other long-term predictors discussed in the previous post, the steering subsystem can choose between defer to predictor mode and override mode. In the former, it sets the red equal to the blue, as if to say okay, thought assessor, sure, I'll take your word for it. In the latter, it ignores the thought assessor's proposal, and its own internal circuitry outputs some different value. Why might the steering subsystem override the thought assessor's value estimate? Two factors. First, the steering subsystem might be acting on information from other, non-value, thought assessors. For example, in the Dead Sea Salt experiment, see previous post, section 5.5.5, the value thought assessor says bad things are going to happen, but meanwhile the I'm about to taste salt thought assessor is issuing a strong prediction of salt. So the steering subsystem, being in a state of salt deprivation, says to itself whatever is happening now is very promising, the value estimator doesn't know what it's talking about. Second, the steering subsystem might be acting on its own information sources, independent of the learning subsystem. In particular, the steering subsystem has its own sensory processing system, see post number 3, section 3.2.1, which can sense biologically relevant cues like pain status, hunger status, taste inputs, the sight of a slithering snake, the smell of a potential mate, and so on. All these things and more can be possible bases for overruling the thought assessor, i.e., for setting the red circled signal to a different value than the blue circled one. Interestingly, and unlike in textbook RL, in the big picture, the blue circled signal doesn't have a special role in the algorithm, as compared to the other thought assessors. It's just one of many inputs to the steering subsystem's hardwired algorithm for deciding what to put into the red circled signal. The blue circled signal might be an especially important signal in practice, weighed more heavily than the others, but ultimately everything is in the same pot. In fact, my long-time readers will recall that last year I was writing posts that emitted the blue circled value signal from the list of thought assessors altogether. I now think that was a mistake, but I retain a bit of that same attitude. 6.4.2 Reward Prediction Error, RPE. As best as I can figure, RPE is the difference between two value estimates, the red and green circles in the diagram above. The red circled signal is the ground truth value A gold standard value estimate that accounts for all available information in both the learning and steering subsystems. The green circled signal comes from a thought assessor which has, in effect, probably not literally a delay line on its context inputs, such that it's forced to predict the current value based on stale information, i.e. based on whatever thought was being thunk a short time ago. Let's say the delay time is D, maybe D one second, or maybe a fraction of a second, whatever. The idea is, if there's a discrepancy between these two predictions, then there was something unexpectedly good, or unexpectedly bad, that happened within that delay time D and that unexpected change is the reward prediction error, RPE. So imagine you're doing some routine activity, say, getting into your wheelchair, and parts of the activity are kinda uncomfortable, whereas other parts of the activity are very satisfying. But you've done the activity a million times and it's always the same. In that case, the two predictors are always making the same prediction. The value goes up and down through the course of the activity, but RPE stays at zero. By contrast, if some new thought or belief or situation pops up, either endogenously, or because of some external event, RPE will be positive if the new thought is better than what you normally would have been thinking instead, and negative if it's worse. It seems to me that this is exactly the signal that we would want for the thought generator. It allows apples to apples comparisons between two candidate thoughts, actions, plans, in the same situation. And thus a means to both discard bad thoughts in the here and now, and to continually improve the thought generator over time, section 6.3.2 above. I note that the real circuit is probably not quite as simple as a subtraction of the two signals, as I understand it, sufficiently unpleasant things get negative RPEs even when they are fully expected. There are many ways to implement that. For example, maybe if the green circled signal is negative, it gets multiplied by 0.9 before the subtraction. See references and commentary here. 6.5 decisions involve not only simultaneous but also sequential comparisons of value. Here's a simultaneous model of decision-making, as described by the Hungry Brain by Stephen Guienet in the context of studies on lamprey fish. Each region of the pallium, equals lamprey equivalent of cortex, sends a connection to a particular region of the striatum, which, via other parts of the basal ganglia, returns a connection back to the same starting location in the pallium. This means that each region of the pallium is reciprocally connected with the striatum via a specific loop that regulates a particular action. For example, there's a loop for tracking prey, a loop for fleeing predators, a loop for anchoring to a rock, and so on. Each region of the pallium is constantly whispering to the striatum to let it trigger its behavior, and the striatum always says no, by default. In the appropriate situation, the region's whisper becomes a shout, and the striatum allows it to use the muscles to execute its action. I endorse this as part of my model of decision-making, but only part of it. Specifically, this is one of the things that's happening when the thought generator generates a thought. Indeed, my diagram in section 6.3.4 above takes obvious inspiration from the model above, different simultaneous possibilities are being compared. The other part of my model, which is absent from the description excerpted above, is comparisons of sequential thoughts. You think a thought, and then you think a different thought, possibly very different, Or possibly a refinement of the first thought, and the two are compared by the RPE mechanism in section 6.4.2 above, and if the second thought is worse, it gets weakened such that a new thought can replace it. That new thought might be the first thought re establishing itself. I could cite experiments for the sequential comparison aspect of decision making, for example, figure 5 of this paper, which is arguing the same point as I am, but do I really need to? Introspectively, it's obvious. You think, hmm, I think I'll go to the gym. Actually, what if I went to the cafe instead? You're imagining one thing and then another thing and comparing them. And I don't think this is as a humans versus lampreys thing. My hunch is that comparisons of sequential thoughts is universal in vertebrates. As an illustration of what I mean, 6.5.1 made up example of what comparison of sequential thoughts might look like in a simpler animal. Imagine a simple, ancient, little fish swimming along, navigating to the cave where it lives it gets to a fork in the road, um, fork in the kelp forest? Its current navigation plan involves continuing left to its cave, but it also has the option of turning right to go to the reef, where it often forages. Seeing this path to the right, I claim that its navigation algorithm reflexively loads up a plan, I will turn right and go to the reef. Immediately, this new plan is evaluated and compared to the old plan. If the new plan seems worse than the old plan, then the new thought gets shut down, and the old thought, I'm going to my cave promptly reestablishes itself the fish continues to its cave as originally planned without skipping a beat whereas if instead the new plan seems better than the old plan then the new plan gets strengthened sticks around and orchestrates motor commands and thus the fish turns to the right and goes to the reef instead in reality i don't know much about little ancient fish but rats at a fork in the road maze are known to imagine both possible navigation plans in succession based on measurements of hippocampus neurons Ref. 6.5.2 Comparison of Sequential Thoughts, Why It's Necessary. In my view, thoughts are complicated. To think the thought I will go to the cafe, you're not just activating some tiny cluster of dedicated go-to-the-cafe neurons. Instead, it's a distributed pattern involving practically every part of the cortex. You can't simultaneously think I will go to the cafe and I will go to the gym, because they would involve different activity patterns of the same pools of neurons. They would crosstalk. Thus. Thus the only possibility is thinking the thoughts in sequence. As a concrete example of what I have in mind, think of how a Hopfield network can't recall 12 different memories simultaneously. It has multiple stable states, but you can only explore them sequentially, one after the other. Or think about grid cells and place cells, etc. 6.5.3 Comparison of Sequential Thoughts, How It Might Have Evolved From an evolutionary perspective, I imagine that comparison of sequential thoughts is a distant descendant of a very simple mechanism akin to the run and tumble mechanism in swimming bacteria. In the run and tumble mechanism, a bacterium swims in a straight line, runs, and periodically changes to a new random direction, tumbles. But the trick is, when the bacterium situation, environment is getting better, it tumbles less frequently, and when it's getting worse, it tumbles more frequently. Thus, it winds up moving in a good direction, on average, over time. Starting with a simple mechanism like that, one can imagine adding progressively more bells and whistles. The palette of behavioral options can get more and more complex, eventually culminating in every thought you can possibly think. The methods of evaluating whether the current plan is good or bad can get faster and more accurate, eventually involving learning algorithm-based predictors as in the previous post. The new behavioral options to tumble into can be picked via clever learning algorithms, rather than randomly. Thus, it seems to me that there's a smooth path all the way from something akin to run and tumble to the intricate, finely tuned, human brain system that I'm talking about in this series. Other discussions of run and tumble versus human motivation. 1, 2. 6.6 Common misconceptions. 6.6.1 The distinction between internalized ego syntonic desires and externalized egotistonic urges is unrelated to learning subsystem versus steering subsystem. See also my post, Brainstem neocortex, does not equal, base motivations, honorable motivations. Many people, including me, have a strong intuitive distinction between egosyntonic drives that are part of us or what we want, versus egodystonic drives that feel like urges which intrude upon us from the outside. For example, a food snob might say I love fine chocolate, while a Dieter might say I have an urge to eat fine chocolate. 6.6.1.1 The Explanation I Like I would claim that these two people are basically describing the same feeling, with essentially the same neuroanatomical locations and essentially the same relation to low level brain algorithms. But the food snob is owning that feeling, and the dieter is externalizing that feeling. These two different self concepts go hand in hand with two different higher order preferences. The food snob wants to want to eat fine chocolate, while the dieter wants to not want to eat fine chocolate. This leads us to a straightforward psychological explanation for why the food snob and Dieter conceptualize their feelings differently. The food snob finds it appealing to think of the desire I feel for fine chocolate as part of who I am. So he does. The dieter finds it aversive to think of the desire I feel for fine chocolate as part of who I am. So he doesn't. 6.6.1.2 The Explanation I Don't Like Many people, including Jeff Hawkins, see post number 3, notice the distinction described above, and separately, they endorse the idea, as I do, That the brain has a learning subsystem and steering subsystem. Again, see post number 3. They naturally suppose that these are the same thing, with me and my deep desires corresponding to the learning subsystem, and urges that I don't identify with corresponding to the steering subsystem. I think this model is wrong. At the very least, if you want to endorse this model, then you need to reject approximately everything I've written in this and my previous four posts. In my story, if you're trying to abstain from chocolate, but also feel an urge to eat chocolate, then, you have an urge to eat chocolate because the steering subsystem approves of the thought I'm going to eat chocolate right now, and you're trying to abstain from chocolate because the steering subsystem approves of the thought I am abstaining from chocolate. Why would the steering subsystem approve of the latter? It depends on the individual, but it's probably a safe bet that social instincts are involved. I'll talk more about social instincts in post number 13. If you want an example with less complicated baggage, Imagine a lactose intolerant person trying to resist the urge to eat yummy ice cream right now, because it will make them feel really sick later on. The steering subsystem likes plans that result in not feeling sick, and also likes plans that result in eating yummy ice cream. 6.6.2 The learning subsystem and steering subsystem are not two agents. Relatedly, another frequent misconception is treating either the learning subsystem or steering subsystem by itself as a kind of independent agent. This is wrong on both sides. The learning subsystem cannot think any thoughts unless the steering subsystem has endorsed those thoughts as worthy of being thunk. Meanwhile, the steering subsystem does not understand the world, or itself. It has no explicit goals for the future. It's just a relatively simple, hard-coded input-output machine. As an example, the following is entirely possible. The learning subsystem generates the thought I'm going to surgically alter my own steering subsystem. The thought assessors distill that thought down to the scorecard. The steering subsystem gets the scorecard and runs it through its hard-coded heuristics, and the result is, very good thought, go right ahead and do it. Why not, right? I'll talk more about that example in later posts. If you just read the above example, and you're thinking to yourself ah. This is a case where the learning subsystem has outwitted the steering subsystem, then you're still not getting it. Maybe instead try imagining the learning subsystem and steering subsystem as two interconnected gears in a single machine. As in the previous post, the term ground truth here is a bit misleading because sometimes the steering subsystem will just defer to the thought assessors. I think the steering subsystem can send signals to the learning subsystem that change its hyperparameters in real time. For example, acetylcholine can change learning rate. As in the previous post, I don't really believe there is a pure dichotomy between defer to predictor mode and override mode. In reality, I'd bet that the steering subsystem can partly but not entirely defer to the thought assessor, for example by taking a weighted average between the thought assessor and some other independent calculation thanks for listening to help us out with the nonlinear library or to learn more please visit nonlinear.org